No pasó nada. Welcome back to Scream 101. I'm Brennan. And I'm Sergio. And sorry for the delay. This one actually came out later than I thought it would, but we did take a week off to celebrate Sergio's birthday in style. Exactly. A whole week of just us doing stuff. So That sounds really menacing. Like we went out and murdered people or something. Did, do I sound crazy when I say that? No, no. I'm just the worst. Never mind. Um, <laughs> but We saw a lot of movies. We saw Star Wars, A New Hope. Yeah, we saw La La Land, which everybody needs to go see immediately. Oh, yeah, everybody go see that. Take your kids, take your kids' kids, take your grandkids. Make some more kids so you can take them and yeah. build up the box office. Yep. Um, but, again, just sorry we're kind of late. I meant to put this out on Friday. That didn't happen. But my birthday present to Sergio was not having to worry about the podcast for a week, I guess. So, I thank um, you. I thank you. Many thanks. Yeah, we're and back. And sorry for the inconvenience, I guess. Yeah, well, look, we blasted you with like four episodes in a row at the beginning of this month, and I kind of felt bad about that. So uh, that was your break um, from having to listen to our voices. <laughs> anyway, this is the second week of Mexican Horror Month. This Ooh. week, we watched Kronos. Dun, dun, dun. Kronos is Guillermo del Toro's first feature film. And it's the only film, as far as I know, that he actually made in production, like, in Mexico. Like, Spanish-language film in Mexico, because he mostly worked in Spain after that. Yeah. Go Spain. Yeah. But anyway, here is the plot of Kronos, which came out in 1993. Why are you dancing? Why not? Okay, that's a good point. Antique dealer Jesus Cris stumbles across Kronos, a 400-year-old scarab that, when it latches onto him, grants him youth and eternal life, but also a thirst for blood. As Jesus enjoys his newfound vitality, he's unaware that a dying old man, Dita de la Guardia, has sent his nephew Angel to find the scarab and bring it back to him. But Jesus will not give immortality up easily, even risking the life of his orphan granddaughter. Okay. Uh, let's uh, let me just say that that plot synopsis was way more coherent than anything in the movie. It makes it sound way more exciting than it was. Yeah, the movie is kind of a kind of a dud on that. I don't know. I, uh, you know, I, I liked it, but let's go into it. Uh, we rate on scariness, campiness, FX, and quality. So, Sergio, how many screams do you give it on scariness out of five? I didn't find it to be that scary. Um, I gave it three out of five screams right in the middle. That's a decent um, score. That is decent, but it was more creepy and unnerving than anything. Yeah. Um, there was nothing, there was, well, there were no jump scares, no, no stabbings really. Oh, I guess there was some stabbings. Um, but none that were like totally out of the blue. Like you totally expected someone to kill him or stab him when you did. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. I'm giving it two out of five screams. I think it has a nice sense of like a creeping dread at some point mm-hmm. where you're like, what the hell is going on? Something yeah. terrible is happening and I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Cause literally there is a rule book about how this mysterious Kronos device works, but, uh, the evil guy has it and won't give it to the, our friend, Mr. Grease. Um, which, Jesus Grease. yeah, Grease is the word. It's from Greece, the movie. Okay. Is that like a quote from the movie? It's the song. 
Oh. Grease is the word, is the word. Grease is the way we are feeling. Grease is the time, is the place, is the motion. Oh, Sandra D. Grease is a vampire. Anyway, we're it's we're playing with this force outside of our control without a rule book, and that's something really interesting. But uh, it's mostly kind of a family drama about his granddaughter, like his relationship mm-hmm. with his granddaughter. But that's kind of also not at the forefront. Like you, it's can secondary. See- it's all about him. Yeah, but you can see Guillermo del Toro playing with a lot of ideas that he would have later. Like, he'd have a much better little girl protagonist in Pan's Labyrinth. Mm -hmm. And he'd have a much better everything later on. Like, this is very much a first film. Like, he had so many ideas that he was stuffing in here that it's kind of incoherent at Mm -hmm. some points. But it's really cool to watch. And he does have a nice uh, sense of dread that he layers over it. Oh, I want to talk about the Kronos device really quick. I thought that was cool, but that's more for effects. Okay, you, you know what? That's a good point. We'll skip that. I'm gonna have to edit so much. We're we are uh, out of shape on podcasting because it's been a while. Um, one thing I will say about the the scariness. I thought the sounds were scary. The sounds that the little machine made. Yeah. The mm-hmm. Yeah. No, we will talk about that. Uh, campiness. I'll start. Okay. I'm giving. Shoot. I'm giving this film two out of five perms. <gasps> that's what I gave it. Ooh, twinsies. Yay. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think it's interesting. Like, th- there was sort of this play on the vampire mythology. He never really, like, engaged with it. He never really drank blood. Like, he was tempted to, and there was some on a bathroom floor that he was looking up, but yeah. he never, like, killed anyone to eat their blood, yeah. which I kind of wanted to see, but I him guess... become a monster? Yeah, I wanted to see him become a monster, but we just saw him become, like, a like a white dude. <laughs> I would say opportunistic monster. I guess, but he, I don't know, he, he, it's, it's one of those things where he's trying to resist his monstrous urges, and that is no fun in a horror film, it's like, Mm -hmm. that makes it much more of a drama, Mm -hmm. but also that's not the crux of it, like, there's so much in here, but none of it is the crux of the movie, I don't know what the crux of the movie is, I don't think it has one, Mm -hmm. um, I would agree with you on that, like, I don't know what the main idea, or main theme of the movie would be, yeah, it's just kind of all over the place, Mm -hmm. but all the individual elements are cool, Including Ron Perlman, who has Seinfeld hair in this, because it's 1993. I thought he was kind of the best part. Like, Ron Perlman was awesome in this movie. He was pretty funny. Like, this is the whole reason I gave the movie like two out of five perms, was because yeah, he was pretty it, funny. He d- and he he provided one out of those five perms just with <laughs> what was on his head. Um, yeah. Oh my God. It, this is part of my campiness score. It's when he's working for like his crazy uncle who's dying. Mm-hmm. His uncle is creepy. He's like a Mason. So was Ron Perlman, you know, TBH. Yeah. No, but his uncle's like a like a bubble boy. Like he's in this like med- metallic area full of humidifiers just trying to keep him alive because mm-hmm. he's super old and dying. And he has all of his diseased organs in like canopic jars on his dresser. Mm. And um, he reminded me a lot of Mason Verger, uh, Gary Oldman's character from uh, Red Dragon. Do you remember that? He's the guy in the bed with like no face. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's also a character. Was that Red Dragon? Uh oh. Sorry, no. Uh, Hannibal. Okay. The movie Hannibal. Sorry, okay. I mixed those up. Um, but yeah, no, he reminded me a lot of that, like just kind of sealed away in his canopy bed. Mm-hmm. But so Ron Perlman, like Howard Hughes. Yeah, with his long fingernails. Yep. Uh, 
Ron Perlman was his nephew who's working for him, just waiting to get his inheritance. Literally, their first scene together is him like, oh, sign this new draft of your will, <laughs> which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. And then when, uh, oh, um, the Mr. Grease's granddaughter, Aurora, uh, she is straight up cold as ice, badass. She's She bonks him on the head with his own cane. and Like, she cracks his skull open. Yeah. He's bleeding profusely. And so, like, I had no idea she was that like ruthless. Yeah, she's great. Like, she, I want her on my like zombie team if there's ever <laughs> an apocalypse. But so, old man is dying on the floor. Ron Perlman comes in and discovers him. He's like, "Yes, finally!" <laughs> and he has this. He's shouting to the heavens like, "Mine, mine, mm-hmm. it's all mine," <laughs> which is a line that I don't think anybody else could pull off. But he does it. Mm-hmm. It's hilarious. Yeah. Do you have anything to say about Ron Perlman? No, I mean, you just kind of took my champion dialogue right there. Actually, oh, I guess we could have done champion dialogue. Oh, we're not? Well, because we weren't going to do it this month because most of the movies are in Spanish. Mm-hmm. But this movie actually had English dialogue. Wow. But also, I have to edit this super fast tomorrow morning, so I'm not going to do champion dialogue. Okay, so I don't well. Have to pull it. <laughs> well, no, I just, I love that scene where yeah. he sees his dead uncle, and instead of being like, oh, no, he's dead, he's like, yes, thank the Lord above. That the money is mine now. It's wonderful. Oh, and there's also a scene where um, the grand granddaughter and Mr. Grease they sneak in to the old man's like tube, his bubble, mm-hmm. and they're trying to find the secret book that has all the rules about how to be a vampire or whatever. And he's like, "Are oh, you looking for those missing pages?" And I was just sitting there like making fun of the movie, and I was like, "Oh, I ate them!" Mm-hmm. And then immediately he says, "Yeah, I ate did them." Say that. <laughs> Brennan like, did accurately predict the movie. Thank you. Which is crazy. If one of my crazy jokes about a movie comes true, I mean, I do love the movie a little bit more for that. <laughs> but also, why didn't he just burn the pages? Like, they don't... They're not indestructible pages. They're not immortal like our old man is. I don't know. He wanted the knowledge to be sealed within him. I guess that's fair. That's very poetic. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, one more thing before we move on from this section. This was another secret Christmas movie. Oh, yeah. This is like... Was our first one Secretly Christmas? No, we've had... Secret Christmas movies are like kind of a theme in Scream 101. With Well, with me and Shannon, at least. The first movie we watched, I, Mad Men, was Secretly a Christmas movie. And um, Night of the Comet was a Christmas movie. And now this one. Like, all these movies are just... It's terrible things happening to people, and there's a Christmas tree in the background. <laughs> and it has nothing to do with anything, but it's just there. And you're like, but, but why? And Ron Perlman whistles We Wish You a Merry Christmas at one point. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I, I'm into that. And it's good for our December theme. I feel a little bit, because I felt I wanted to do Christmas horror at some point, but I feel like it was too soon. Too soon from what? I don't know. We just started the podcast. Okay. I, was, I, don't, I don't know. My thought process is crazy. I'm never Too mind. soon, man. Too soon to celebrate Christmas horror. I know, but I just I think that I like uh, that it ties in. Anyway, what uh, what's your effects score? And I gave it four. Four out of five. What's four out of five? Insects. Yeah. Okay. Or five, four out of five Kronoses, because that's what the insect was, right? Yeah. Or like a, a scarab, Kronos. I guess. It was a Kronos. Yeah, it was a Kronos. A Kronos. Kronos. Scrotum. Um. Yeah, I thought the bug was cool. I thought the way it moved and it sliced and it diced. So describe this bug for me, because we haven't mentioned it before. Okay. So this bug is is the Kronos. 
Um, it was crafted by the alchemists back in the 1600s, apparently. Yeah, well, it's like inside a little golden egg, and there's a bug inside it. Okay, yeah. In, cl- yeah. in case it wasn't clear from my description, that's what it is. Um, and you have to, like, wind it up a certain way. And once it's wound up, it will, like, inject itself into you, and in the process, per- make you, like, more youthful. Yeah, it's like these More six little, these six little legs pop out of it like knives, and they mm-hmm. stab into your arm. Yeah, and it's got a big stinger like a scorpion that just junks into your vein. It's mm-hmm. super gross. Yeah, and when you get glimpses inside, and there's all this clockwork, but there's also this pulsating, just gross bug thing that's filling with blood. Uh huh. It's the grossest thing I've ever seen. Um. It was very I wouldn't go as far as to say it was the grossest thing I've ever seen, not, okay. but it was pretty it's disgusting. It's the grossest thing I've seen today. Okay. Yeah. And I had to clean up dog pee off the floor today. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, it's very David Cronenberg, like this weird combination of technology and uh, biology. And it, it's crazy. Like, I like his I like the, like, here. you know, hy- hybridity? Is that a Hybrid-ness? word? Hybridness? I don't know. I like the hybrid between, like, you know, mechanical and, like, real life thing. Like, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Like, this idea is really cool. That design especially is really, really interesting. And the gore is okay. Like, um, there's a part where, um, well, because, like, he turns gray because he dies, but then he comes back and he has to, like. Yeah, I found all that to be disgusting. He has to peel off the gray skin to find this, like, white skin underneath. Disgusting. It's super gross. Like, it looks kind of fakey, so I wasn't too bothered by it. But in the, after the second time he dies and comes back, he just puts his entire hand inside his belly skin, and that's disgusting. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of uh, that scene in The Thing where the guy, like, puts his fate his hand inside someone's cheek and just wears it like a glove like it is messed up yeah i found it really just yeah disgusting like i've been saying um but the makeup was really cool i will give it that that it was really well done that's what boosts my score up yeah absolutely like i gave it three out of five just because it's kind of visibly low budget makeup but it Mm -hmm. works like i i don't know there was a lot of gross 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 stuff in this movie like, Guillermo del Toro doesn't really shy away from that, at least in his Spanish-language movies. Like, um, Pan's Labyrinth has a scene where a guy's, like, stitching his face back together. That's super disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, watch Pan's Labyrinth, because that movie's one of the best movies ever in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. Thank you. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let's move on to quality. I feel like we have a good segue in there. Um, I think I'll start. Okay, good. Okay, um, I'm going to give it three out of five unlucky stars. Like I said, I like almost every single element of this movie, but I don't feel like they really cohered very well. No, they didn't. I, I feel like I wasn't told a story that I could understand to any degree, and it wasn't enough of like nightmare logic story to earn not being a normal narrative. Like It felt like it was trying to be a narrative, but it just kept stalling. <laughs> Um, and I just feel like I wasn't super invested in any of the characters, except for Ron Perlman, who was awesome. And I didn't even really care about him, I guess, but I just like to watch him on screen. But like the grandpa guy, like he see he, he like wants to be free of this curse, but like you can sense that he like wants to be younger, but also he wants to like be free of the weird skin thing that's happening. 
and he doesn't seem to understand that the only way to be free of that is to die, so he doesn't want to die. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, it's all these things, and it's like, I d- feel like I didn't get a good sense of his character before this. Like, I don't understand how monstrous he became because I didn't understand where he started. Okay, that's a really good observation. Uh, <sighs> thank you. I gave it four, but, like, listening to you, you know, your your point of view, I'm going to, like, knock it down to three. Cause I no, you can, you can. No, no, no. Okay, like, I was your giving heart. it a four out of the generosity of my heart. Mm. Um, your pulsating heart that needs to be stabbed to finally put you to rest after an eternity of suffering. You know, like, my life's not been great, but I wouldn't <laughs> say that it's just been full of suffering. Um, don't stab me. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. We have the Kronos bug. <laughs> no, we don't. Um, promise me you're not going to stab me anytime I, soon. No, I won't. It okay. was just a joke because the only way to kill the Kronos is with the heart. Okay. I'm just making sure. I don't, okay. I don't know. I know. Okay, because you sounded really sad, and I was. I just. I was so hurt that you thought I would stab you. Sergio. Okay. Okay. Whatever. Um, we, you know, we need to sit down and have a rap session about this. Like. Okay. So, how are you feeling today? Okay. So I tell gave me it, about Sergio. <laughs> I gave it a four, um, but I'm knocking it down to a three. Okay. And the reason why is because the plot was lacking for me. Um, mm-hmm. I thought there was a lot of dead time. Or just uninteresting scenes, maybe. Um, then I found myself tuning out, you know, reading Elle magazine articles online. Really? Yeah. That's what you're doing? Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, Guillermo del Toro showed a lot of the seeds of what he would be doing. Like, especially... Um, his in, use of kids? Yeah, his use of children in the movie. Um, there's an opening shot of the mansion where the alchemist lives, and there's, like, leaves blowing through the stairwell, which is, like, he exactly recreated for Crimson Peak. Um, obviously, Crimson Peak was lavishly expensive so it was much better mm-hmm. but that I liked crimson peak yeah like uh, crimson peak another really stunted narrative but that movie was gorgeous mm-hmm. i don't think guillermo del toro's style really translates as well to low budget um because what he wants to achieve visually is so lush and so big mm-hmm. that he has to have a lot of money to work with like that's not like I'm glad he found that money. What were the budgets for Pan's Labyrinth and you know Devil's Backbone? That's a good question. Devil's like Backbone must really be smaller. Small. Pan's Labyrinth. If that's if that's a low budget, I will eat my hat because that movie looks gorgeous. Yeah, no, Pan's Labyrinth had a 19 million dollar budget. That's okay. I guess that's big. No, that's considerable for. I mean, I'm thinking like. And that was 19 million then. Yeah. Back in 1960. No, um, I, I'm thinking like a budget, like I assume, well, you know, I'm, I don't want to talk out of my ass. I'll Google this too. Um, I assume Kronos was working at like less than a million. Probably. And and all of that went towards the bug. Yeah. that Okay. It was 2 million US dollars um, because there's some great sets. I love the set of the uncle of uh, the set of the alchemist is cool. The Kronos mm-hmm. bug is cool and disgusting. I liked um, grandpa set. His weird little home with oh, all the knickknacks. Yeah, like, the sets are great. I thought the movie was really intimate. That's one plus I would give it. Because yeah, there's very few characters. It felt very familiar. Um, and it didn't feel confined by that. 
Like you didn't you didn't feel like you were constricted by how uh, yeah, small like, the story um, was. Not like you know the horror house movies that are you know popular now where we're just stuck in one home. Yeah, like the like, Blumhouse. That's that's a million or less mm-hmm. in one house. Mm-hmm. Like the houses were. I mean, like the sets were contained and small, but like I still felt like it was you know Mexico City or wherever this was set. Guadalajara. Guadalajara. That's that's where it was filmed, I think. But yeah, Devil's Backbone Guadalajara. had. <laughs> Devil's Backbone had five million. And that one was much less, uh, had a, a smaller scope than Pan's Labyrinth mm-hmm. did. But yeah, I just think his ideas require so much. He needs to put a lot into them mm-hmm. in order to achieve them. And I feel like he didn't have as much here. And also it was his first film. Like he was still working out the kinks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I have to say about that. Do I have anything else to say about quality? Um, it was well done, but it was slow at times. And I found the plot to be like, la- I don't know. I said that word for word. Um, no, I'm good. Cool. Um, so yeah, in terms of Mexican horror, I'm feeling much better about it because Satanico Pandemonium was Oh, kind that was of, so boring. It was really boring. And this one was kind of inexplicable, but much more captivating. Mm-hmm. Like this was, I was 100% paying attention the whole time. I can't say the same. And no, I can't say the same because I, I already said otherwise. But I was interested. At the beginning, I was like, you know, captivated. Yeah. Like it. It holds your attention, but it's a little too sporadic to, I don't know, because I can, I can handle narrative switchbacks, but, like, if you... I don't think I can, because at some, like, at one point during the movie when, like, he was full-on zombie, I was like, oh, I guess so we're not going to go back to the family anymore. Yeah. And then once he was, you know, quote-unquote dead, um, I was like, oh, so I guess he's just not a character anymore. Mm. And I kept being tossed back and forth, and I feel like that could have either been executed better, or... I don't know what else. It, just, it could have been handled better. No, I think this movie's like one of those like uh, mechanical bulls in like rodeo restaurants where it's like Sergio got bucked off because the plot keeps just shifting wildly. Mm-hmm. Like I managed to hang on, but it wasn't like I threw up at the end. It wasn't a really uh, stable ride. Yeah, it was not a stable ride. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so. Is that a pun? Because bulls are in a stable? Oh. I guess not really. Yay. Not on purpose. Good job. Yay me. Um, but yeah, like things are looking up. I was beginning to worry that we were gonna hate all the Mexican horror films, and then we'd have to reevaluate if we were like super racist or something. Mm-hmm. But no, things are getting better. Um, should I tell them what we're watching next week? If you feel like you must. I mean, we are at the end. Okay, I will. Yeah, it's a present because we're late today. Yeah, actually, you know what? Um, I'm going to tell you in one minute, but first I'm going to remind everybody that we are in the middle of our Scream 101 charity drive. Yay. If you if you donate $5 or more to any of the charities I list, or um, they're also all available on our Twitter. It's our pinned post if you go to our Twitter page, at Scream101Pod. Um, you can donate to the ACLU, to the I Am Holding Your Hand Project, Border Angels, Churla, which is the Coalition for Humane Immigrant Rights, Rights of Los Angeles, Immigration Equality, the National Immigration Forum, or the Young Center for Immigrant Children's Rights. Donate $5 or more to any of those institutions, and you'll get an opportunity to pick a horror movie that we watch Mm -hmm. on the podcast. And we're going to be doing this for four months in a row. If you donate anything for on each of those four months, you get to pick an entire month that of movies we get to watch and you can come on the show. Okay, cool. What if I donate $5 every single month? Then you get to pick some movies. Okay, cool. Yeah. power there are certain limitations you can't i have the power you do 
Look, you can't just pick Julie and Julia or something. This is contractual. No, look, you're not gonna pick Julie and Julia. Why not? It has I love to that be movie. A horror movie. Well, we can watch that like tonight, just on our own. Can we watch a doubt instead? That's a horror movie. No, it's not. It's about the horrors of the institution of the Catholic Church. Yes. Anyway, our listeners would it. agree. I promised to tell them what movie we're watching next week. Okay, go ahead. And that movie is Hasta el Viento Tiene Miedo, which means even the wind is afraid. Um, this is a movie that I believe we mentioned last week in that uh, I accidentally bought the remake instead of the original, but Sergio mm-hmm. was very nice and he got me an early Christmas present, which was <gasps> the original movie. So we're going to be watching that for next week's episode. I can't wait. It's one of... Um, I use the word famous relatively but among people who are interested in mexican horror this is one of the most famous titles and i'm very excited to visit it Mm -hmm. i've heard it's kind of like suspiria like it's like a girl's school situation i can't wait to see how that goes if you want to fill us in how you what you thought about it it's available on amazon everywhere it's a guillermo del toro movie so Mm -hmm. it's on criterion uh maybe don't go to barnes and noble and buy the criterion because they're always like 40 dollars. but if they have a sale find us on facebook at scream 101 podcast (laughs) Find us on Twitter at Scream101Pod. You can email us at Scream101Podcast at gmail.com. Find us on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, and review us. Give us five stars because we're back, y'all. We're back. We're back in action. After two weeks gone, we're going to get this right, damn it. Yeah. It, it, we, we had to oil the wheel a little bit at first to like get us back going, mm-hmm. but we're back. And we're going to have some cool stuff coming at you toward the end of the year. I'm very excited. Go see La La Land. Yes. Good luck on your journey, everybody. And stay gold. Huh? I'm pointing it at my mouth. Like this. Fine. So, uh, do you like Xbox? I've played Xbox like once. So that's a no. Um, and yeah, if you want to contact us, if you've seen Kronos, if you want to... Uh, <laughs> um, this episode was brought to you by Cupholder Radio. You can find more episodes of this show and others at cupholderradio.com or wherever podcasts are sold. Get out. The podcast is coming from inside the house. Hello there. I'm Uncle Ponyboy. Do you like suspense? Don't go in there! Buckets of blood and human excrement? Pour upon me! Gratuitous nudity with more boobies than you can handle? Let me see them. And radical hairstyles? Oh, yeah! Then you should check out the Gorgab Podcast, hosted by yours truly and DJ Gill. You can find us on the iTunes Podcast Store and on Twitter at Gorgab Podcast. And while you're at it, go ahead and go check out cupholderradio.com. It's podcast for the weird at heart.